there are so many things of real consequence here. We've got young players on, on heavy contracts who were, were afraid to play, or we've got uh, Zach Bond, who, who's a, who was a, a, just a sack artist in college who just had his very first career sack in year four uh, in, in week 13, <laughs> week 13 um, beat, beating a, a top three right tackle, a pro bowl right tackle off the edge. And, all, and, and, and he hasn't been allowed to do that for three and a half years. And there, there's just, there's just so many other problems that I'm more worried about with this team than Michael Thomas's tweets. Hey there, and welcome in to the Saints Wire podcast. Ryan O'Leary here, joined as always by John Sigler. John's the managing editor of USA Today's Saints Wire. If you found or are listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. It's great to have you with us. Do us a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. That's the best way you could support us, and we appreciate you. If you're a returning listener, hi. We really appreciate you as well. John, what's going on, man? How the hell are you? Oh, man, I've been better. But hey, that, that, that's kind of the state of the Saints these days. So look, it's, it's, it's a new day. The sun's out. It's not, not too cold outside just yet. And uh, happy to be here uh, breaking down Saints football. Yeah, it's always fun to break it down. I mean, I guess I guess the silver lining in this game, John, is you get down 21 nothing in the first quarter. Uh, you know, that one that would be an easy one to mail it in. The Saints did show some fight. They got back in it. You outscored Detroit 28-12 the rest of the way. Just couldn't overcome the slow start, which has you know, been a theme with this team. So that was really frustrating. And it's like, you know, makes you look at the coaching. I mean, the same freaking crap happening over and over and over again. It's like, come on. But I guess they showed some fight, John. Any other silver linings out of this game? Or are you mostly pissed? Yeah, man, there were some some encouraging signs here. But, you know, as has been the case all year long, like the mistakes and the self-inflicted inflicted wounds and the early game uh, errors, it, it was just too much to overcome it, I, again. And this has been the story all year. Like the saints are a great second half team. They, they do a great job coming out of halftime and moving the offense, putting points on the board, uh, getting stops defensively. It's awesome. It's it's, it's great. If, if they could only play the second half in every game, uh, they, they, they might have a winning record right now. Yeah. Um, but God, it, it was it was just more of what we've seen. I mean, the, the offense started well. The, every everything everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong in the first quarter. Uh, I, I mean, with with uh, Derek Carr throwing a bad ball that got intercepted. Um, when, when he had an open receiver further downfield, uh, with the, the defense, you, you know, get, getting just blown off the ball at the line of scrimmage. Um, it, it was it was a mess, and that that put them so far behind the eight ball they just had no, they just had no shot. Good news for Dennis Allen and the Saints, I guess, or just for Dennis Allen, is that uh, this loss has been overshadowed by Michael Thomas tweets. <laughs> so this has been the big story is my, what Michael Thomas is tweeting, and, and Saints fans reacting to it. Dennis Allen had to address it, and well, he kind of did, I guess, at the podium saying that we'll keep it in house, but he's going to address it with Michael Thomas. Uh, so. MT John away from the team. He's on IR, obviously, with the knee injury. He live tweets Saints games, which is great as a fan. It's really fun. He gives you like honest commentary during the game. Not a lot of players do that. Michael Thomas has been doing it, and it's been fun. But he's he drops some tweets during the game that would make you think that he hates Derek Carr or is at least second-guessing his recruitment of Derek Carr to the team, right, this past offseason. Uh, he made one quote that made me think of you because you wrote – You've written plenty on Derek Carr and the uh, quote-unquote hospital balls uh, passes that lead to injuries for Saints receivers or big hits. And Thomas tweeted, this was my favorite one, quote, when your eyes don't work, you get people hurt. It's no mystery. <laughs> so I like I like that one. He, he tweeted again, another one that you could 
I guess read between the lines and, and call it a dig at Derek Carr. He he wrote AT wide open on a ball that ends at an interception. So these are definitely <laughs> tweets that are aimed at Derek Carr without saying his name, John. And then he had another one quote: "God is with Jameis." And to be fair about that, that that's what we all were saying on that that just that miracle uh, completion that Jameis had that should have been a pick six, um, where the one Lions defender broke the pass up before his teammate could intercept it and run it back for a touchdown. Uh, and instead, it got tipped. And Chris Olave managed to come down with it and yeah, gain yeah, like yeah. thirty yards. And we were all saying that that the uh, the, the God's plan, the God is with Jameis thing, which the, that goes back to when he was we were he was playing your Patriots few, a few years ago, and Jameis threw that ball in the in the end zone that that had like four Patriots defenders around it, and the, and the Marquez Callaway came down with it for a touchdown. You know, I, I didn't mean to get down in, into the into the, the deep lore here, uh, but but what what the whole Jameis and God thing and God's plan. What, what all that or God is with Jameis? What all that that comes down to is at, after that play, um, in which Jameis uh, threw a touchdown against your Patriots, uh, he he went back to the sideline and told Sean. And Sean Payton says, "What was that?" And, and he tells Sean, "Hey, that, that was God's plan, Coach." And Sean Payton snaps back at <laughs> and he says, uh, "Well, the Patriots have a bleeping God too." <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's good. And so, so that's kind of been this like running uh, line with, with, with Jameis is he, he every ball he throws, it, it's just a a ball and a prayer, and and, and that, that's all he does every single time. And so, so my, Michael Thomas wasn't the only one having that reaction when Jameis w- uh, went out on the, on the field and you know somehow somehow uh, averted disaster. <laughs> no, that's good. That's great context. Actually, I didn't I didn't necessarily know that, but yeah, I love that. Every every throw by Jameis is God's plan. <laughs> we'll see what happens. God's plan. Let's let this thing go. Yolo. I love that. Uh, so Michael Thomas tweeting. I personally love it. I think fans love it too. John, well, most fans, I think some Saints fans are split and think you shouldn't be, you know, shooting down your teammate. And you could say that these are anti-Derek Carr tweets if you want to read between the lines. The account was also disabled, so I don't know if somebody got to Michael Thomas or what. But he's done that before whenever people start running with, with what he's saying and it, it starts to become, become too big of an issue. He'll, he'll just uh, wipe, wipe his socials at that point. So th- that, that's not unusual. Most people, John, are saying, you know, He's spitting facts out there. Like, what, what did he tweet that's wrong? Others are mad that he's he's potentially, you know, dissing his own quarterback here. The guy that, again, he helped recruit to New Orleans. Uh, he's dissing him when you read between the lines. Uh, personally, I find it refreshing that he isn't turning it on the fans, John. I mean, I'd rather him disable his account and, and do that thing than tweet back at people and be like, yo, you guys are all BS. This is not about football. I'm tweeting about life. You know, you know how receivers are doing that? all kinds of receivers do that all the time. It's like, this isn't about football. This is about life. But Michael Thomas is straight up with you. He's tweeting about football. He's tweeting about the game and he's giving you commentary on it. And I, I find that valuable, but what's your, what's your overall take on this? Do you think he did car dirty here? Do you think this is getting blown out of proportion? Like, what do you think? Yeah, man, I think it's blown out of proportion. Like, like, it's not like he was sitting here saying, you know, Dennis Allen is a clown and Derek Carr is a loser and all that. He, he wasn't doing anything like that. And I, I mean, I, I get, I get it when fans are like, if, if, well, if you're on IR, if you're not playing, then I, I shouldn't see you. I shouldn't hear from you. You shouldn't be tweeting what, whatever it may be. Um, I, I understand that instinct, but Man, it's just overrated to me. So it's overblown. It's not that big a deal. Like there are a thousand problems with this team that are more concerning than what Michael Thomas is doing online. Like, I mean, we've got a quarterback who can't take any accountability. We've got a head coach who is ignoring just 
glaring problems with this team, who's showing uh, preferential treatment to players who haven't shown they deserve it. Um, you got a, you got a, a general manager who can't understand why fans are, are booing uh, their team, his team that he's uh, driven in, into the ground. There are so many things of real consequence here. We've got young players on, on heavy contracts who were, were afraid to play, or we've got uh, Zach Vaughn, who, who's a, who was a, a, just a sack artist in college who just had his very first career sack in year four uh, in, in week 13, <laughs> week 13 um, beat, beating a, a top three right tackle, a pro bowl right tackle off the edge. And, all, and, and, and he hasn't been allowed to do that for three and a half years. And there, there's just, there's just so many other problems that I'm more worried about with this team than Michael Thomas's tweets. And I, I just kind of wish that a lot of fans would, would feel that way too, but hey, it's, it's, it's drama. People love drama. And, and uh, that, that's kind of where, where the focus has been this week. Yep. It's, it's covering football and 2023 it ended a, a grand time, John, right? And this is what we do. Uh, but speaking of like the preferential treatment, um, are you referring to the quarterback there, John? Is that kind of the go-to? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. 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 You, 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 DA can't be up there saying, just saying, uh, um, being asked why he's not going to, you know, put Derek Carr on ice and put him on the bench for a couple games and let him heal up like he did with Jameis last year. And, and, and then say, Oh, well, it's, it's a totally different situation. It's a totally different situation. It's a totally different situation. He, he's a broken record. Like, like, like he's got no, no answers, no accountability. And, and it's, it's just it's beyond obvious that he's just going out there and protecting his protecting his guy. Yep. Yep. One hundred percent. That's where I was going next. Like it just feels like it's time for Jameis to get to get at least one start. Like I, I would love to see D.A. just go out there and be like, all right, we're going to Derek's just got a second concussion. The shoulder's still a thing. Uh, I don't know if the shoulder's been right at all, all season, right? If that thing goes all the way back to week three, the AC joint sprain against the Packers, right? So uh, he was knocked out of that game with a, with a shoulder. We're going to let Carr heal up, second concussion. We're going to play it safe. We're going to let Jameis start this game against Carolina. Then we'll reevaluate. Not necessarily John naming Jameis Winston the starter for the rest of the year, but naming him the starter for week 14. And I just, I don't understand why it's so hard for him to do that or why he won't do that. And just let Jameis Winston take the reps and let him start a game and let's go. Because it's been... There's something to be said about the hits Derek Carr has taken. He has just gotten crushed in some of these games. He got crushed in week three against the Packers, knocked out with a shoulder. Uh, he took a huge hit against the Vikings when he got that initial concussion. They also called that a shoulder injury, right? They said he re-aggravated the shoulder. I should say that was week 10. Uh, he never missed the next start, though. And, th- and this is the third time, this, this Lions game, the third time he's been knocked out of a game. Another brutal shot where... He leaves with a concussion, rib, and shoulder injuries. It's like, holy crap. I mean, the dude has been knocked around. And I just don't remember that being a thing with Drew Brees or, or some of the other quarterbacks back in the day, John. I mean, guys didn't really get knocked out of games. Uh, Derek Carr's been knocked out of three games. So it's like, can we just let him sit and heal up and see how and just see how the offense looks with Jameis for a week? Like, I, I just don't understand why that's got to be something that's you know, out of the question or something we got to draw out until Sunday. You know what I mean? Uh, because the hits Carr has taken these these three games he's been knocked out, but then he has never missed the next game. And I know he got the help from a bye week there uh, after the concussion, but uh, it is wild that Carr, this is the third time it's happened, John, and he hasn't missed a start. Yeah, I, I think those guys who have been around the block a time or two may, may have a better idea of how to protect themselves when they're getting hit or, did, or you know, look, it's, it's the same thing like, when, when you're getting a car, right? Like where you think, oh, we need a, we need a, a 
need a big SUV and then, then we'll be safe in an accident. It's like, no, the safest thing you can do is get a small car and avoid it in the first place. Right, um, yeah. It's kind of the same thing here. Like, like avoid those hits, like be smarter, have better, have, you know, better spatial awareness and pressure's closing in, get rid of the ball. Like you don't need to hang on to the ball for four or five or six seconds. Every single time you drop back, Derek, like throw it. And that, that's how he got hurt by uh, on that hit uh, this week with Bruce Irvin, where, where he was hanging on to the ball too long and put himself in a dangerous position, didn't get rid of it quickly enough, and he got got hammered. And th- that's on him. And that's and you're right. That's not something we saw from like Drew Brees and Peyton Manning and you know even even Aaron Rodgers for for much of his career, where, where, where they were just being smarter about it and protecting themselves and getting rid of the ball before before things got too dangerous. And Carr just doesn't really have that survival instinct, I guess, for, for lack of a better term. Yeah, don't, I, d- I did notice you didn't mention Tom Brady there, John. That's that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, after after Brady had the ACL injury in 2008, he never missed another game due to injury um, unless he was cheating and deflating footballs. <laughs> that was the only time he missed games. He never, <laughs> I'm never glad you got from, to that before I could. Never from injury. No, I knew you were going to say it. I just had to do yeah. that. Tom would, <laughs> Tom would never. Uh, he might have yeah. had somebody take a little yeah, off uh, the ball, but not him. Guerrero, uh, his whereabout, he doesn't know where he was in those days. <laughs> yeah, the guy sure. was, yeah, his his therapist was massaging those footballs just the way Tom <laughs> likes them. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's something to say about the hits cars taken, and I think holding the football is uh, definitely an issue, especially holding the football just to check it down. Um, definitely an issue with this offense. But, all right, let's hypothetically, John, if, if it is Jameis under center uh, against the Panthers, what do you think happens to the offense? What changes do you think they start to funnel it through Alvin Kamara? Um, does he get, does the running game get more involved? I mean, Kamara has been very good uh, this year, maybe a little underrated in the run game. I think he's been, he's been excellent. Uh, or what changes with the Taysom Hill package? Do we still see a lot of Taysom Hill? It didn't change a ton against the lions, right? We still saw Taysom coming in near the goal line and stuff. So what changes with the offense? You know, is there anything drastic with Jameis Winston? Except for God's plan, you know what I mean. Like, what else? What else changes? Yeah, yeah, man. Um, so the main one thing I would look for is more targets for Jawan Johnson. That's somebody that just has not gotten a lot of opportunities. He, he's had 32 targets in eight games. Um, after he broke out last year with 500 yards, seven TDs, um, he, he's someone that James that Jameis Winston does have a, probably a better connection with than Derek Carr at this point. So that that and he is their best receiving threat at tight end. Like, love Jimmy Graham. I love that he's two for two. Uh, with, with two touchdowns this, this year. Um, but Juwan Johnson is, you know, he he's the Saints signed him this summer to be the guy at tight end. And we just haven't seen that with Derek, with uh, Derek Carr. So I think Jameis Winston could probably get more out of, out of him. As far as AK, uh, you know, the, 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 the run game has kind of been an issue. Um, how, how many yards do you think Alvin Kamara's longest uh, carry has gained this year? That's a good question. Shot um, in the dark. Yeah. Shot in the dark. I'm going to guess it's lower than I think. Um, I'm going to go, just because just it's a nice round number, I'm going to go with 20. Has he had a 20-yard run? He has not. Uh, 17 okay. yards All right, is the damn. longest he's gained. Um, th- there's no explosive element to the run game right now. You know, outside of, like, some in-around uh, runs for, uh, you know, Rashid Shahid, Lynn, Lynn Bowden Jr., um, T- Taysom Hill has been their best runner, uh, honestly. So AK would probably be asked to run more often because – Jameis Winston has always struggled with those timing throws to, to him, which is what AK is so reliant on it is, you know, running an angle route and kept catching the ball in the, at the right time in the right spot and, and make, making the play. That is something that Derek Carr has done a better job with, with him um, and, and just using him as a receiver. It's not something that we've seen much of 
from Jameis Winston. So, I, so if Winston w- w- would is going to be starting on Sunday, I, I would I would anticipate fewer uh, targets for Kamara, but probably more rushing attempts. You know, the, the running backs have been nothing to write home about. Jamal Williams has, has been a really disappointing signing this year. Uh, Kendry Miller, who knows when he'll be ready to play. Um, so Kamara would probably get more more carries, uh, but fewer targets there. And you got you got to hope either he or Taysom Hill can get it going. Taysom uh, had a great game against the Panthers rushing the football the first time. He had like 70-something yards or something. So uh, we'll see. Taysom Hill. Maybe maybe Juwan Johnson, a nice sleeper for fantasy teams. I think it's the the last week of the regular season for people playing fantasy, trying to make your playoffs. Uh, the Huddle.com always gives us their place of the week. Let's hear from our friend Corey Bonini here for week 14. And John and I will be right back. Corey Bonini with the Huddle.com here to bring you fantasy football strong plays for week 14. Quarterback Baker Mayfield, Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Atlanta Falcons. Mayfield scored 21 fantasy points against Atlanta in the earlier meeting, and this defense has given up at least 21 points to the likes of Jordan Love, Jared Goff, Will Levis, Joshua Dobbs, and Kyler Murray this year. Mayfield is a viable quarterback one play against a defense that has struggled to stop signal callers through the air and on the ground, which is a nice bonus to consider for a quarterback with above-average mobility. Running back A.J. Dillon, Green Bay Packers at New York Giants. Dylan once again will assume the primary chores if Aaron Jones can't play, but there's little to get excited about here based on what the bruising back has done on his own. The bright spot to focus on is the matchup itself. New York comes back from its bye having allowed a rushing touchdown per game on the year and at least the fifth most fantasy points per game in both primary scoring systems. Wide receiver Drake London, Atlanta Falcons versus Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As expected versus the toughest pass defense in the league last week, London was not a quality play. However, a single catch for eight yards isn't exactly what people had in mind. This week, it should be the polar opposite result versus an injury-ravaged Tampa Bay defense that has given up copious points to the position of late. Since Week 8, wide receivers have averaged a touchdown per game and the fourth-highest yardage figure on a per-game basis. Tight end Gerald Everett, Los Angeles Chargers versus Denver Broncos. I'll admit this one's digging a little deeper than we usually go. Everett isn't a safe play in any setting per se, but he does have an awesome matchup, especially if you're gambling for a cheap touchdown grab. Denver has allowed three scores in the last four games to the position, and they've come at the seventh highest rate in relation to catches faced. That alone makes Everett an understandable play at a volatile position. For more award-winning fantasy football news, tips, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com. All right, we're back. And before we dive into this game against Carolina and give our thoughts on that, I did want to reference an article on Saints Wire this week, John, that made me spit out my coffee. So good job. Uh, It was just a, you know... (laughs) Harmless headline, you know, predicting how the Saints will finish their final five games. I'm like, ooh, let's see what John thinks. And I, I think you, it was the whole team, right, John? Before I get into this, it was the whole team that picked you guys uh, collaborate on this? Or is this John Sunday? Oh, yeah. Okay, it was a collaboration. Here's what Saints Wire thinks the Saints will do the rest of the way. Finish 7-10. <laughs> so 7-10. So you've, <laughs> you've got the winning two of their last five. And why did I spit out my coffee? It's because you're playing teams like the Giants. You got Carolina this week. You got the Buccaneers again. So you actually had the Saints, John. Saints Wire had the the Saints. This is the big one. Losing to the Giants uh, in your pick. So this is the difference between going three and two or two and three the rest of the way. Either way, that might not be enough for the playoffs. But just reading through that article, I think I can safely come up with the conclusion, John, that you do not think this is a playoff team uh, based on what you've seen. And you think they're going to finish well below 500 and not make the playoffs, right? That's Is that fair to say? Yeah, man, I, I just have not seen it. I, I, I do not see this team making the same plays that, you know, 
the LA Rams is a team that I keep looking at because they are someone who who had a similar rough start and were missing a lot of guys due to injuries. They, they had a pretty tough schedule out, out ahead of them. And all they have done is, you know, fight through it and win games and get right into the middle of the wild card race. And the Rams are just such a better team than, than the Saints right now, where, where it's like, you know, how, how can you put them on the, on the same level? I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, and that that's where the Saints need to be. That that's their competition. That's who they need to be showing that they can hang with. And you're just looking at it, and it's like, my gosh, man, they they, they, they who's going to make a play? When when are we going to end this losing streak? When are they going to show that they belong in the playoff picture? I mean, right now they're third place in the worst division in pro football, and for by all appearances, that's where they belong. Like like they they are not a good football team, and the standings reflect that. Yep, and the the losses, uh, the Rams. I agree, that's a tough one, and that team seems to be getting healthy and starting to roll a little bit uh, with the Rams. So I, I I see them making the playoffs in the NFC, the Rams. But you got the Giants, the Bucks is another team. Uh, what scares you about the Bucks, John? Is it the first matchup where they came into your house and blew you out? <laughs> I I remember that game. It was early in the year, right, week four or something, and that was a red flag kind of game where it was like, ooh blowout loss of the Bucks with Baker Mayfield in that outfit it's it was like ooh. and that one that was the first time this season where we started to look at the team and be like is this gonna work you know this this whole plan is this gonna work out it was a they were two and one going into that game but it wasn't like pretty football you know what I mean they had they were finding ways to win they lost to the Packers by a point and they got roasted by the Bucks uh but and you think the Bucks sweep them and in, in well I guess Saints Wire predicted that the Bucks sweep the Saints this year so you don't think it'll go much better yeah, that, that, that's on me. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one. We, we can save the other guys for, for taking any blame if it goes <laughs> sideways. Um, but yeah, dude, like that, that was really concerning. Um, the Buccaneers defense just had no fear whatsoever of Derek Carr in that game. Like, like they just stared, they just covered downfield and bet that he wouldn't uh, test them over the top. And they were right. And, and he, he threw to Camaro like 15 times in, in one game. Um, I, I, th- I think he had 13 or 14 receptions by the end of it. And, he he just didn't challenge them whatsoever. Like, like I haven't seen a quarterback with his experience just look so futile in a game in a long time. And and that, 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 that was just really disappointing to see because the saints signed Derek Carr to win those kinds of games, to win this division, to knock off the bucks and the Falcons and put up a lot of points on the Panthers. And he hasn't done that. Um, He, he, it's rough. He, he hasn't, he hasn't, I'll tell you this, Derek Carr has not thrown a single touchdown pass in three games this year against uh, NFC South teams. Um, it's not happened. Wow. And yeah, uh, well, well, as an offense, the Saints have scored two touchdowns in, I believe, 32 possessions against the Falcons, Bucks, and Panthers. And those two touchdowns were scored by a running back, Tony Jones Jr., who's no longer on the team. I, I believe he's a Seahawk right now. I could, or a Cardinal. I could be wrong. Um, he's on one of those NFC West teams. But at, at any rate, like th- there's nothing uh, since that game has given me confidence that Carr is going to be able to figure it out in the rematch and go out there and make the throws that he needs to make and make the plays that he needs to make, put enough points on the board to put them away. Like, like I, I just don't have any confidence that he can he he can crack that defense. Yep, that that makes perfect sense. I will say the prediction here before we move on here, we, and we should, but. The prediction that made, really made me spit out the coffee, John, was the Giants. I mean, Tommy DeVito. So I, I know you're down on your Saints. I know they've done you dirty, John. 
when you're picking Tommy DeVito and the Giants to knock off your team. So uh, I don't know if you want to give you 30 seconds on that one, but I was just like, oh, boy, John is down on his Saints, picking them to lose to the Giants. We're down bad, man. Yeah, like to me, this looks like a rough matchup. So the Giants defense, is, you know, they, they can challenge Carr and the, and the Saints offense, excuse me, in a lot of similar ways. Like, like they win at the line of scrimmage, they have an opportunistic secondary, they tackle well. Um, that that could be a problem. That could be a day where Carr only has like 13 or 14 points in him. And if that's the case, then I can totally see Tommy DeVito running for, you know, 41 yards or, or and, and throwing a couple uh, touchdown passes and that being enough to win, to win the day. Like we, th- I mean, the saints barely beat a, who was a Tyson Bajant uh, from the bears earlier yep, this yep. year. Um, they, they, they have faced the saints have, have lost to so many backup quarterbacks this year. It's not even funny. And I just don't have much confidence uh, that they're going to be able to, to overcome some mismatches here. Like, like I, I, I could totally see that Wink Martindale uh, defense just uh, running roughshod all, all over uh, the Saints in New Orleans. And, and that, that's a game that worries me because earlier in the year, I said this is a must win. Like that is a must win game. Um, if the Saints can't beat, cannot take care of a Giants squad that is underperforming this badly, then they've got some real problems. And you know, that kind of seems like to be what we're headed for. Yeah, it does. And and these two games are, are ones we circled home against the Panthers, home against the Giants, uh, games you got to have. Uh, but, you know, you could go on the Saints wire here. You might have to scroll a little bit. It's a couple days ago that this was posted by the time this podcast is out. But uh, the dome field advantage in New Orleans, not not really a thing anymore. And And I did notice it, too, John, during the game this past week. A lot of Lions fans. They kept pay- every time the Lions scored in that first quarter, they would pay into all these Lions fans celebrating. And I was like, "Whew, yeah, this is not that." That stadium used to be all black jerseys, you know, black fans of black jerseys back in the day. A um, little bit different right now, uh, and that's that's on the organization, that's on the team. Uh, but I, I will say this: one game you did pick, one I'm, one I was a hundred percent sure of. You did pick the Saints to beat the the, the Falcons. Uh, Saints wire picked the Saints to beat the Falcons because. As you, as you said, every 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 time we talk about the Falcons, you're never going to pick the Falcons to beat the Saints, no matter what the situation. So we knew that was coming. The other win was Carolina. Uh, and the Saints, obviously, home to face the Panthers this week. They are favored in this game. Five and a half, six points. That line might move by the time this podcast comes out. I think it's a five and a half as we speak. But just give me some quick thoughts on Bryce Young and that whole situation going on in Charlotte. John, what do you think? Do you think the Panthers are screwed? Did they make the wrong selection? Are they going to have CJ Stroud envy for the rest of their lives? You know what I mean? Like that organization? Or do you think Young is fine? They just need to find the right uh, team of coaches to get around him and maybe build the offense around his skill set, more RPOs, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Uh, what do you think about that whole situation with Young and the Panthers? Oh, man, it, 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 um, it is such a mess, and I'm so glad I'm not the one who has to clean it up. Um, you, you, you know, Young has he's looked overwhelmed all all year long. He doesn't have in, anywhere near enough help around him. That offensive line is a mess. The receiving core they, they don't have a single you know guy who can get open there at receiver. Um, the, the the running game, you know, look, Juba Hubbard uh, is is a I think he's a very good running back. He's somebody who I think could could have a great game against against the Saints in, in their very weak run defense uh, here in a few days. Um, so that's somebody I'm watching closely. But, man, you, you know, Young, is in, he's in such a rough spot. Like, we, we don't know who's going to be calling plays for him next year. God, even, even for the rest of this year, uh, it feels like it keeps going back and forth. 
um, up, up until they fired Frank Reich. And, you know, that owner, uh, David Tepper, keeps interfering. And uh, he, he's, he's been <laughs> – this uh, story in The Athletic just came out that, that uh, the last straw with him and Frank Reich was he, he wanted the uh, Panthers to fix Bryce Young's footwork. Um, and and, he, and he, he thought that was the problem. And it's like, my guy, why, why are you sitting in the suite trying to micromanage things this badly? Like, yeah. come on, come on, let, let, let the people you hired do their jobs. And I, I don't have any, you know, sense that the, the Panthers are going to turn things around with, with him running the team the way he is right now. And, you know, fortunately, that's going to result in a weaker division for, for the Saints. So hopefully, hopefully they can start to take advantage of it because they haven't done that so far. Well, you do a good job stumping me with all these trivia questions all the time, John. Um, do, you, do you know how many total touchdowns Bryce Young has accounted for rushing and passing this year? Oh, gosh. Uh, I know he's only thrown like 13 TDs. Um, I'll say 18 altogether. Oh, no, John. It's half of that. He's got nine total touchdowns on the season. Nine. Nine oh, total touchdowns. Word. Nine total touchdowns. So, yeah, uh, I thought you put it perfectly. What a mess. Who's going to clean that thing up? I don't know. I can I I have half a mind that Carolina is going to go out trade for Bill Belichick and really just drive that thing into the ground and just scorch the earth there. Uh, the hey, Bill Belichick has done so well with rookie quarterbacks yeah, lately. Bring yeah. him on in. That'll be great for Bryce Young. Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Uh, so all of this has to point towards the uh, the Saints, right? I mean, this is just not a good Panthers team. Uh, but the Saints have been unreliable. Uh, you wrote about how bad they you know they haven't been great at home. They've obviously lost three straight games. They failed to cover in four straight games. Uh, they are zero and five against the spread at home this year. <laughs> so when you're when you're looking at them against the spread, it's a little sketchy. I, I mean, I think they they have to find a way to win this game. I'm I'm not picking them to lose. I think they win. But do they cover this spread, John? Let's call it five and a half. That's where it was when I hit record. Can the Saints cover a five and a half point spread against these Carolina Panthers? I don't know, man. I I think I think my prediction was Saints eighteen, Panthers fifteen when we did our picks for the network earlier this week. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna have to stick by that because um, you, you know when they played in Carolina, it was twenty to seventeen, um, and that that was too close for comfort. And that kind of seems to be the style of football that that the Saints are playing lately. So, uh, man, I don't I don't know that New Orleans can cover that. Yeah, it was twenty to seventeen, and the Panthers. It was one of those where like they scored the touchdown. I think it was a touchdown and a two-point conversion to pull within three, and then they go for the onside kick, don't get it, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but a low-scoring slog of a game. And, uh, man, it would just be nice. I know it hasn't happened since the Patriots game, but it'd be nice to see the Saints just get out, get out ahead, score some points early, put a team away, bury them in right? the second half. Wouldn't that be nice? Right? <laughs> can, can we just get that? Yeah, man, like a comf- uh, some comfortable, uh, easy viewing on a Sunday afternoon. That that, that sounds lovely. Um, I, I just don't know if they have them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, John, I hope you're not writing a bunch of negative articles anymore. You know, have just spit venom on Saints Wire and on Twitter and stuff. Uh, but I, you are my go-to guy on social media to go find when the Saints lose because I know it's going to be some good stuff. But what are you guys working on? leading up to this game, you know, keeping an eye on the quarterback situation, injury, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 We're waiting on official word for, for car. The, uh, the injury report is going to come out after we record here. Uh, that, that should be illuminating. Um, some other things I'm looking for is like, Hey, what's, what is the progress for, you know, Marshawn Lattimore, Michael Thomas, where are, are these guys going to be available in a few weeks? Uh, what, what is the state of the playoff picture? Uh, how about the NFC South standings? Um, you know, look, we're going to have the, the Falcons and Buccaneers are going to be playing for the division lead. Uh, here, here, here soon. Um, so th- there's a lot of factors that the Saints do not control right now, and we're just trying to keep up with all of that. And 
hopefully they'll be in a good position uh, this time next week. For John Sigler, I'm Ryan O'Leary. As John was saying, there's there's so much going on on Saints Wire. I mean, you want to see them crap all over the team and their predictions the rest of the way. Again, Saints Wire predicting the Saints to go 7-10. and 10. I love it. It's just good eating. Uh, all hey, kinds I, hope of... I hope I'm wrong. Hey, that's good for business, it, man. Ho- hopefully, hopefully I missed the mark on this one. Yeah, either you're right and you're like told you so, or you could just say you could eat crow and the team's won. So that's just it's nothing, nothing but good stuff there. Nothing but yeah. good stuff. So yeah, always good stuff on the site. Go check it out. Thanks for joining us as always on the podcast. We will catch you next time. See you then. Yeah.